Welcome, Bird Gang. On today's show, Danny Sarek joins me. We got Thursday night football to discuss. And yes, let's all hope this is the game where the offense finally clicks. DeAndre Hopkins is back, so that should help. And then the defense. The challenge is, who do the Saints play at quarterback? It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 605, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2. Hit in the backfield and down he goes for a loss. J.J. Watt nailed it. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. He's at the 10, half a 5, he's in again! Some more Murray Magic! Wow! Here's Craig Grealoux. Congratulations, Danny, and all Cardinal fans. We've reached the end of the week. Okay, so it's a short week, and I'm okay with that, actually. I thought you were going to congratulate me for like actually doing something really well. My mouth opened. I was so excited with a huge smile, but I guess thank you, Craig. You always do good work, so there doesn't need to be that constant so reminder sweet. as far as the congratulations on a daily basis and the pat on the back. We're just come to expect good things out of Danny Sarek. Oh, man. So the standard's high. I can't slip. Standard is the standard. That is the cliche around the National Football League. All right. So, yes, today feels like a Friday, meaning there's a game right around the corner. And this week, it's literally 24 hours away here as we broadcast this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. No one likes this short week except for teams that perhaps maybe don't play as well as they should have on Sunday. At least that's my thought process in all this. And you've got the Cardinals and Saints who both lost on Sunday. Cardinals did not look good on Sunday against the Seahawks. They need to be able to turn it around this week. Both teams looking to get their third win. Cardinals looking to get their first home win. And come Thursday, what will be 361 days. But you're right. Having the short week, it helps that you know you have no choice but to speed up the process to quickly learn from your mistakes and the few things that you did well and look ahead and you don't have any of those true practices it's more walkthroughs more of those mental reps I think that helps as well it also helps that they're not traveling that is huge on a short week so hopefully the Cardinals and you have the fresh legs and wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins coming back after serving his six game suspension hopefully there's enough of those little few advantages that can help them get that win Thursday night. Advantage for the Cardinals also is, well, they're banged up as well as the Saints. Each team has ruled out five players. For the Cardinals, Marquise Brown, Dennis Gardeck, Rodney Hudson, Justin Pugh, and Daryl Williams will not play. James Conner being listed as questionable. I'm not expecting a lot out of James Conner if he is on the football field. I think for him, you want him to be healthy, and he's dealing with rib injuries. Earlier in the season, it was an ankle and a knee. I would expect more of Eno Benjamin and Keontae Ingram like we saw Sunday against the Seahawks. That will be interesting. That that to me, you know, sometimes we hear game day decisions and you get you get the feeling that it's pretty likely they're going to play, but James Conner really does seem like it will be a game day decision because you still have to make that decision of how healthy is he? He's probably healthy enough to play in a limited role. However, with the game plan and who you have on the field and what you have from Eno Benjamin and Keontae Ingram, is it worth putting James Conner out there for what you would get from him? Or do you give him those extra days to rest and really recover and try and get as healthy as he can? Now, if he's healthy enough to play, I think he will play. 
I would just imagine that it's going to be very limited if that is the case. You also have to factor in the rest of the roster as far as, okay, you have a less than a 100% player active versus maybe a player who is 100%. And when you're dealing with issues along the offensive line, Justin Pugh's done for the season. So you can open up a roster spot, place him on IR. But you look at the fact that you're not going to have Rodney Hudson again this week. He's not going to be on the football field. So now what do you do at left guard? What do you do at the center position? Questions that this team has had, and they had him on Sunday. You put Sean Harlow, you start him, Max Garcia at left guard. My guess is you'll see Max Garcia once again at left guard. The center position, considering how poorly Sean Harlow played, you might see another move right as far as the center spot is concerned. With Billy Price, who they brought in recently, you also have Max Garcia, who has experience at center. I'm not saying he, Max Garcia would likely be your starting center. I'm just saying they have options need be. What is very interesting about the offensive line and, and who your starters could be is Cody Ford, who hasn't played yet. He's been dealing with injury. I believe his was an ankle or a foot, right? Is yes. that what he's, right? Right before the season started when kind of all those players got hurt. Um, he's been designated to return. So they the Cardinals have 21 days to decide to put him on the active roster or not. So the question is, is he healthy enough? Is he comfortable and confident enough with this playbook and with the rest of the offensive line? Because he hasn't been practicing up until this point. However, the timing to me is a little questionable of if you're on a short week and you don't think Cody Ford either physically or mentally is going to be able to give it his all why would you designate him before the game on a short week right that kind of leads me to believe that he might be ready to go for Thursday night I would probably be a little bit more cautious with him just the fact that this team really has not been on the football field at all as far as full pads and he hasn't done anything in a long long time but you open up that window for a reason so he's able to participate in walkthroughs if you're on IR you can't even go through a walkthrough so maybe it was just that so just to kind of get his feet wet and you wait until next week and then figure out what you're going to do at left guard is that Max Garcia moving forward is that Cody Ford moving forward those are all questions that this coaching staff has to figure out. Now, you brought up DeAndre Hopkins. Let's touch on D-Hop because this offense is going to welcome not only D-Hop but also Robbie Anderson, but I think everyone is excited. We've all been pointing to this Week 7 game against the New Orleans Saints for the return of DeAndre Hopkins. The hope was that this team would be 3-3, three and 4-2 three, and two with Hopkins coming back, that this offense would not need a DeAndre Hopkins to return in order for it to get into rhythm. That's the buzzword that everyone continues to use with this offense. But here we are, two and four, and an offense that has shown less flash than I would like through six games. And now all of a sudden, no, he's not the savior, but people are pointing to DeAndre Hopkins and saying, okay, he's back. Not that everything is back to normal, but this should help. A lot. Well, you need something to look to, some kind of hope to grasp onto. You and I have talked about this on pretty much every platform we've been on together, is that DeAndre Hopkins is not the sole solution. He's not going to answer every problem this team has. And earlier in the week, Kyler Murray had the same sentiment when he was asked about it at the podium by the media. DeAndre Hopkins is a superstar. Absolutely. He affects the way that your opponent game plans for you. He is incredible when it comes to those contested catches. And he has that height and that aggressiveness that really hasn't been there. I mean, A.J. Green has that height, but he he really 
hasn't done much in terms of being incredibly productive or reliable for Kyler Murray this season. So you're getting that with Hopkins. And obviously, Kyler Murray trusts him, and he's been great in the red zone and the ability to find the end zone. However, I feel like the expectations to a certain degree is, oh my goodness, Hopkins is back. Yay, the season is saved. And I'm not saying the season is already down the gutter, but you can't just plop D-Hop into this offense and suddenly every other problem is fixed. They're still struggling to find that rhythm to move the chains, to put points on the board in general. And as great as D-Hop is, having him out there is not going to fix everything that this offense has been struggling with, especially not having Hollywood out there. If Hollywood were out there with D-Hop, I do think that it would make a more drastic change in the offense because of how productive Hollywood has been. And it's very clear that Kyler Murray trusts him that teams would not be able to have double team D-Hop as often as they can now. Because if you had Hollywood out there, that's less of a one and two, more of a one A and one B situation. So the fact that you now don't have Hollywood out there does, I feel like, make it easier for the defenses to game plan because, you know, you really just got to focus on D-Hop. And I don't mean that in a way to, to, you know, downgrade the rest of the receivers. He's just such a different type of talent that not having Hollywood out there paired with that, that that's a real bummer. I, I don't know how else to put it, is that the expectations of having the two of them out there when D-Hop came back was very high. And now that you don't have that, the week, that same week that D-Hop comes back is when Hollywood gets hurt. It's, it's, it's a bummer. It's unfortunate. And to your point, it's too much to ask of one player to come in and fix everything. But when you look at success on third down, success in the red zone, this is where DeAndre Hopkins can really have a major role within this offense. Eight touchdowns last season for D-Hop. Seven of those came inside the 20-yard line. Now this season, after a great start... In the red zone, the first two games, Cardinals were 6-7, of seven, scoring touchdowns in the red zone. The last four games, they are 3-11. of 11. So, again, you can't count on one player to solve that, but it does make a big difference to have number 10 on the football field when you're inside the 20-yard line. Absolutely. Look, he, he brings a different dynamic. There is no question about that. And that's what you hope. You hope that, you know, it's, again, something you and I have talked about, it's it's kind of like give and take of you hope D-Hop goes out there and just completely rejuvenates this offense and this team. However, in the grand scheme of things, is that really what you want? Where it, it takes one player to go out there and that's the one player you need and you cannot win and you cannot find rhythm without that player? Now, in in the immediate right now, I would almost say, who cares? Like, if, if that's what it takes, that's what it takes. Go out and win. Like, deal with that later in the season. It is just when you look at the the grand scheme of things of, we've talked about it, how it's D-Hop on offense and it's J.J. on defense. And this team, for whatever reason, looking at the numbers, cannot seem to win games without them on the field. So you're hoping that D-Hop's return will churn things around for the offense. Players, you know, you're going to have a mini buy this week. The James Conner, the Daryl Williams, you know, can kind of get healthy. Rod- Rodney Hudson. So, of course, you hope that D-Hop coming back will bring some life into this offense. But it is something you have to look at the the greater scheme of things of what what happens if it really is just one player. I don't even want to imagine that, but we've committed the numbers to memory. DeAndre Hopkins, when he's on the field over the last two seasons or last season and this season, eight and two. Without number 10, you're five and nine. And it's not acceptable, but everyone points to DeAndre Hopkins coming back. So maybe that is not the cure-all, but 
it little, helps. It helps. It aids in the recovery that this offense needs. The and they off- need that. Yeah, if you want to say this offense is, you know, stayed home from, from work, stayed home from school is a little under the weather, then yeah, DeAndre Hopkins can be that chicken soup, if you will. Oh, I like that. I like that. I would also have chicken soup when I were when I was homesick. Or matzo ball soup. My mom made really good matzo Feel ball soup. Feel free to use that with Paul Calvisi on the pregame huddle on Thursday. <laughs> you have my permission to use Thank it. Thank you. One other uh, note on D-Hop, because I went back. Season debuts for DeAndre Hopkins in his season debut with the Cardinals back in 2020. 14 catches for 151 yards. Last season's season debut in Tennessee. Six catches, 83 yards, and two touchdowns. You go back to 2019 when he was with the Houston Texans. Eight catches, 111 yards, and two touchdowns. DeAndre Hopkins gets out of the gate very, very quickly, whether receiving yards or receiving touchdowns. Now, he hasn't done anything since, what was it? December. December, mid-December against the Rams when he hurt when he initially, or when he, the second time he got hurt last year. Right, he started with the hamstring. I think it was the Packers game in October and missed a few games, then came back and it was the knee injury in December. I believe that was the Monday night game against the Rams. Correct. The December, got it here in front of me, December 8th, excuse me, December 13th, Monday night football. That's right. That's when Hopkins re-injured himself and was done the last four games plus the playoff game. So, again, everyone's excited about DeAndre Hopkins. I know it was a conversation that you and Drew Stanton had on cardstock, and I like Stanton's quote, he's so easy to throw to, talking about DeAndre Hopkins and that chemistry between quarterback and wide receiver. We talk a lot about it, but it means something, and you hope even without a lot of practice time and limited reps in training camp that number one and number 10 can just pick up where they left off. And and. Kyler Murray talked about that. There's no concern about any sort of rust between the two of them. And we had seen this even last year of Hopkins is one of those players in the league who you know and you trust if for whatever reason he can't practice during the week, he's going to be fine on game day. There, there, there really is no question about, in my mind, whether or not DeAndre Hopkins is going to be ready game time, kickoff 5-15 Thursday night. There, there's no question about it. He's been working on on his own. He said his legs feel fresh. He almost, he he, ch- he cracked a joke saying, you know, this might have added some time to the back end of my career because my legs feel so fresh. He is so smart and understands this offense. And even though this is the first week he's allowed to be on the practice field working out with the team and playing, he's been allowed to be in the building the last couple of weeks. So it's it's not like he's coming in and it's, it's playing catch up so much. I mean, it is on a short week, but I have no doubt in my mind that DeAndre Hopkins is going to be ready to go out there. And I don't he doesn't strike me as the kind of player that necessarily has that big chip on their shoulder, but he is very competitive. And so I think that's why he comes out of the gate so hot. And he knows he's he was watching the games. He's seen what's been going on with this offense. I would imagine. I mean, he knows. He knows what he brings to the table. I'd imagine he is excited about the possibility to go out there and kind of put on a show and help bring some life back into this offense and help the team get a win at home and the fans can finally cheer about that. Hopkins has made it clear to us in the media and to the head coach that no pitch count, no snap count, no limitations. I'm expected to go out there and be 100%. And whether we see 100% of the snaps, I'm not sure, but it might be it might take a couple of players if they decide not to use him for a particular play or series. He's that type of guy, and we saw it before, where he would run out on the field even though he was hurt. Plus, his presence alone, even if you don't throw to him or utilize him in that play, 
defenses have to account for them. And you're a fool if you don't. I think it was the hamstring injury, right, in Packers? Or maybe it was either that or the Rams game, whichever of that injury of D-Hop went back out there. And last season, Kingsbury was saying, you know, the, we were telling him, no. You're, and it was like, you look up and he's he's out on the other end of the field. You can't stop him. And Kingsbury joked earlier this week that he, if he, you know, mentioned a pitch count to DeAndre Hopkins, he would just roll his eyes, D-Hop. I mean, you know, Kingsbury said it as a joke, but that's... That's the truth is I would imagine that Hopkins is very excited to get back out there. When he was asked if he was itching to get back out there, he kind of, you know, went around the question. But I think he's just so calm, cool, and collected. But I'm sure he's very excited on the inside. Now, another wide receiver that is excited, and that would be Robbie Anderson. I do believe that there will be a limited number of snaps for him, a package or two. I do like the fact that he's got that six foot three frame. He's a speedster. So, yeah, you need someone to fill the role of a Hollywood Brown. I get the argument, well, you've got Rondell Moore, you've got Greg Dorch. The difference is, is Anderson's height, even taller than a Hollywood Brown. In fact, he's got four inches on Hollywood. I just don't know how much we're going to see any of that. I do think he plays. I just don't know how much we'll see of Anderson on the field Thursday. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, even if you had a, a full week, I think a new wide receiver to a certain extent would still be limited because you can only learn so much in that time frame. So to come in on a short week, nonetheless, I agree. I think he's going to be limited. Anderson also, when he talked about this in the locker room earlier in the week, you know, those big plays, that's what he likes to do, known for. And he has that that height and he has that speed. And Hopkins even touched on that. That's the speed you can't catch. Hopkins said, you know, I can stretch the field, but Robbie Anderson has that speed, you know, that that just comes natural. So we'll see how it plays out and how much he's able to play and if there's any, you know, bursting chemistry right off the bat with quarterback Kyler Murray. And hopefully this offense can start to move the chains a little more effectively. By the way, seven years in the league and Kyler Murray will be the 12th different starting quarterback that Robbie Anderson plays for. And probably how many has DeAndre Hopkins played with at this point? Yeah, there's probably pretty close. Pretty close to that, yeah. So you and then it's hard to develop that chemistry right out of the gates, but when you have that six foot three frame and just speed, you can just put them on the outside or even in the slot and say, you know what, just go and beat your man off the line of scrimmage. And we know Kyler Murray, although we haven't seen it this season, he is very good at throwing the deep ball, and I think hopefully that. The inaccuracies that we've seen out of K1 so far through six games does get turned around maybe this week because we haven't seen that deep shot on a consistent basis. I know that saying this kind of makes me sound like a homer and people... Never. I know, but listen, here's the thing. In some of these losses, the Cardinals have been close. And the way that they lost in Seattle was horrible. Kansas City was not a good loss, but at the end of the day, that's Patrick Mahomes being Patrick Mahomes, right? Like, you, you know what you're, what you're getting with them. To lose the way you did against the defense that Seattle has was ugly. And I just have the feeling that maybe not so much Robbie Anderson, but getting D-Hop back, prime time, short week, trying to move forward. For some reason, I feel like if the Cardinals can come out and they can just dominate this game this might be the early turning point because we're now a third of the way through the season something in me is telling that telling me that this could be the game where they get rolling and then you start to get players a little more healthy with the mini bye week and that things could turn around from here I know two and four is not great 
The blessing in disguise is you are one game back from the rest of the NFC West. Now you're 0-2 in divisional games, and that is not a place you want to be early on. But it's not like anybody's run away with this division. So if you can stay even-keeled and play with a sense of urgency to get back into the win column, this could be a little turning point that the Cardinals have been needing. That feeling that you have going into this game is the same feeling I had going into last week's game against the Seattle Boo, Seahawks. Boo, Craig! So, Why are you going to bring me down like that? The expectation, though, is because you have DeAndre Hopkins, everything gets fixed. We know that is not just that simple. Now, let's turn it around here when we talk about the Saints and the Cardinals defending what New Orleans does because the big question mark on that end, and I know you talked about it with Marcus Golden on Sideline Exchange, is, okay, who are the Saints going to trot out there as the starting quarterback? Is it going to be Andy Dalton for a fourth straight game, or is it going to be Jameis Winston? And you also have to factor in, which Drew Stanton reminded me earlier in the week, is Taysom Hill, who can line up in the backfield, either throw the ball, which he's done five times this season, but more likely will run the ball out of that Wildcat formation. I don't see Taysom Hill as being your starting quarterback. No, no, no I don't want to say starting. You but just, just use him more like the use Wildcat. Him, use or... him more because if you've got – You've got Andy Dalton dealing with injuries. You've got Jameis Winston dealing with injuries. So you have to start one of those two. But how much more might we see, not as a starter, but just Taysom Hill, a couple of more snaps lined up as that quarterback who can throw, who can run, who can do whatever he basically wants to out of that spot? That's a good question. Jameis Winston's been dealing with a back and an ankle and Andy Dalton a back as well. However, in the expected injury report that we got Wednesday afternoon, if teams had had the full practice they were both listed as full participants if they were to have the practice so we will see I do think you will see a lot more of Taysom Hill maybe than you would expect I don't know if maybe in the backfield but but they're the Saints are missing some big wide receivers Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry have both already been ruled out with injury so the way that you've seen Taysom Hill in the backfield the last couple of weeks, I'm, I don't know if that's where he's going to be lined up. They might see him more in that tight end receiving role because you're missing two of your big wide receivers. So I'm not sure, but that's, that's the Swiss Army knife, and that's what the Saints have as an advantage and what creates some problems for the defense. And when I talked to Marcus Golden on the sideline exchange interview this week, I asked him about the difficulty when you're game planning, especially on a short week, and now you're having to watch film on both quarterbacks because you don't know who you're going to be facing on Thursday, and that's what he said. That, that is the challenge, is you have to put in the same amount of effort and work into understanding the nuances of the different quarterbacks who, who have a very different style. Um, so that was a challenge, but he said, you know what, that's, that's our job. That's what we got to do this week. And at the end of the day, it's still the same fundamentals, and we're still trying to accomplish the same things. But yeah, you have to watch the film and you have to prepare for both Andy Dalton and Jameis Winston back there. The good news is the Cardinals are very familiar with Andy Dalton, having seen him each of the past three seasons, whether it was the Bengals, Cowboys, or Bears, and now with the Saints. So they've got film going back three seasons of Andy Dalton, and they've beat him each of the past three seasons. My guess is that it's going to be an Andy Dalton because it's a short week and you give Jameis Winston extra time, or maybe it's just Andy Dalton's team now to lead from the quarterback position. Taysom Hill, though, when it comes to throwing the football out of that quarterback spot, he has the ability to, but he's only three of five from the quarterback position. As far as he's listed as a tight end, he's big as a tight end, but he only has one catch this season. 
So you have to really pay attention to what he does with his legs, whether that is out of the backfield or in the wildcat formation, because they do get talking about the Saints. Chris Olave is expected to be back on the field after missing last week with a concussion. So you have that. And then Alvin Kamara, who is outstanding as a running back, is very good catching the ball out of the backfield. In fact, he's the second leading receiver on the Saints. So now all of a sudden, if you're the defense, and maybe as Avon Collins and Isaiah Simmons, all right, now where are your eyes going? It's not so much on the football, but what is Kamara doing? Is he staying in to block, or is he flaring out as a wide as a wide receiver? I'd imagine that's the goal, and that's always the the first goal. Advanced defensive coordinator Vance Joseph will tell you that every week is number one is to always stop the run. But look at the Cardinals, and every week this defense has shut down the key opponent on the offense: Cooper Cup, Devonte Adams, Christian McCaffrey, AJ Brown and Devontae Smith. Last week it was Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. Now Kenneth Walker III ran all over you. But the fact that the Cardinals have executed the game plan of shutting down the star on the offense, and I would imagine that's Alvin Kamara this week. And also I would like to see this defense get a takeaway. Those game-changing plays that Vance talked about two weeks ago They've held number one playmakers in check, but there hasn't been that game-changing play that this defense, I think, right now feels almost like they need to have to help out the offense just a little bit. And you go back to the Eagles game, they couldn't get off the field on third down. And then you reference Kenneth Walker, that touchdown after the punt, not punt block, but the fumble, and then Chris Banjo falling on it in the end zone. You pulled it within 12-9. And then the Seahawks march downfield, and Kenneth Walker has a has a touchdown, and you're playing catch up again. The momentum had swung at that point. I think the defense uh, they understand that while they're playing great, they can always make the next play. But I will say this team has forced turnovers. The offense has very rarely capitalized on those. True. That that was really what happened in Carolina later on in those turnovers, and that was kind of it. I mean, obviously Vegas, but it's. This this defense has not been forcing a ton of turnovers, and I get what you're saying of those big game-changing ones or the pick sixes and all of that, um, but I do think a lot of that is the offense not really taking advantage of those turnovers that are being given to them. I cannot say enough about the defense, and right now it's the only thing worth talking about on a consistent basis based off how well they've played. So I'm glad you caught up with Marcus Golden on Sideline Exchange, which you can catch on all Cardinal platforms, whether that's YouTube or azcardinals.com. And when you watch that, pay attention to both of Danny and Marcus on just how windy it was, or at least appeared to be, because you could see the the the, the practice jersey that Marcus was wearing was blowing, and, and, and Danny had her head tilted, and the hair was getting in her face. So, Did it not look good? I, I Is that fine. what you're saying? It sounded great. It looked great. I just I I could sense the struggle that you were having during that interview. I don't think it was a struggle. I mean. Look, as long as Marcus looks good and he sounds good, I don't really care. His hair was back. He had a hat on. He was fine. My hair was, it was a little windy. The only thing I don't want is, you know, I think, oh, shoot, is my hair going to smear my lipstick and I'm going to have a lipstick stain from my cheek to my ear looking like the Joker? That's what goes through my head. But I think I was in the clear this week. Have you ever had that thought, Craig? When it's windy and your hair's blowing, you think it's going to smear the lipstick off off my face? Is that, is, that, is that what you're alluding to here? You've no, never, you've never no, had that thought. No, I have Just not. me. I have not. 
Well, Bird see, gang, these, I have never. No, no. Well, see, these are the things that I deal with that you never have to think about, Craig. You could have been like Marcus and, you know, put your hair back and wore a hat so you'd match. That's true. I'll have to think about that next time. That would have been that would have been tremendous. I didn't think it was going to be that windy until we went out there. I had forgotten how windy it was until I went back and watched. Like, well, that was never that windy. It was like it didn't. Yeah, yeah I didn't realize it was going to be that windy. It was breezy. Mm-hmm. It just maybe just at that point in the day you just well that's how Mother it always Nature works said, out. Oh, there's Danny. I'm going to get her right yep. now. Yep. Yeah. That's how it always works out. So there's sideline exchange, and we talked about cardstock with Drew Stan. What else did you guys? discuss as far as helping hoping this Cardinals team gets to three and four after week seven a little bit of what we talked about was if the Saints are without so many of the starters on offense what do they still do well that they could still be a problem for the Cardinals and Drew has such great insight on looking at offenses specifically you know he's got that quarterback's mind and that's where we also tapped into when talking about the challenges of a short week and the advantages they have of not traveling and, you know, maybe coming off a loss, having a short week is the best thing you could have. And he had some really good insight on that as well. But you did not ask him to revisit and redo the Stanton shuffle. It was brought up on the cardstock episode prior because that his dance happened in Seattle. So we talked about it before the Seattle game. But yes, his folktales, the Stanton shuffle um, will be out by the time everybody listens to this. And I know that our, our team has worked very hard on this. I know that they they took advantage of being in Seattle last week to talk about this, and Drew's excited. And I mean, everyone loves a stand shuffle. That was one of the first things when I started out here a little more than a year ago was being introduced to Drew, and that was like synonymous with learning about his name was, oh, you got to look up the stand shuffle. It like precedes him in a good way. So I'm excited for this folktales episode. One of the best, biggest wins in franchise history, certainly that season in 2015, yet no one remembers about Carson Palmer, Andre Ellington, or anyone. Everyone remembers Drew Stanton on the sideline as Ellington races down for the 48-yard touchdown run on third down to seal the win. The Stanton shuffle, as they say, he went viral. He went viral. And he probably... I don't. Drew doesn't really strike me as someone who loves the thought of going viral, so I think that's pretty funny. But reminder, I mean, there's the video aspect of Folktales podcast version and an article, so you can consume this, and you should consume it in more than one way, but lots of different options for whatever your preference might be. The second season of the critically acclaimed historical documentary series, Folktales, Stanton Shuffle debuts Wednesday on the Arizona Cardinals official YouTube channel and, of course, on azcardinals.com. Cardinals and Saints, 515. It's going to be a late night Thursday. Is that the time the Saints come marching in? Wow. You talk too fast to let me get that in, Craig, and I didn't even plan that. I just thought of it now. I mean, not the joke. Obviously, the joke is known, but to want to sneak that in. Should I use that? Craig, what time do the Saints come marching in Thursday? (laughs) 515. 515. Thanks. I'll mark it down. 1.30 pregame coverage (laughs) begins here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Okay. That was good. We're going to bring that up in the in the pregame on on Thursday on radio on the NFL kickoff show. Yes. Okay. That's I'll let plan. you know what I'll lead you into it without letting Darren know, and we'll try to get his. Oh, reaction. I love to have a little fun with Darren. Although you know what I know, I know I got to be careful about what I say either on air or when we're recording before we start because Jim Mahondro, he's always recording. I've learned, and it's yes. been quite the surprise now that every week the open for our pregame show. He changes it so where it's something funny that I say. Last week it was me telling you that you're hip. And the week before it was 
me telling you that you did a really good job when you didn't hear it, but we were talking about the math skills that you were putting on display. So I'm interested to see if if Ohms finds something worthy enough to change the open or if it's still the same from last week where I say, you are hip, Craig. My guess is it will change. I just don't know what it will be or maybe Shoot, what have who I said? or who it will be this week. Even more of a reason to join us either at 1.30 or, of course, when Danny joins the broadcast at 2 o'clock. And then pregame huddle with Paul Calvisi at 3 for two hours. And you can you can use that line. The Saints come marching in the entire oh, two Paul hours. Oh, Paul will eat that up. Oh, yeah. He might already have I it I know. It. He, he probably is already planning on using it. Week 7, Cardinals. And let's hope this is the week, Danny, that this offense gets on track and we can focus on something else and not have to worry about the stats that... I keep updating every single week. If, if the Cardinals win at home, should we do something to celebrate? Go out for ice cream? I mean, it's going to be late by the time you get off your post-game show. Maybe we'll do something to celebrate. Okay, sounds good. Start the planning. Start oh, the planning. you're confident. Okay, yes. let's do it. Cardinals and Saints again, 5-15, 1-30 is the pregame coverage. And on that note, we will put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. For Danny Sarek, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.